This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling, the home of smart and stunning wrestling takes. With your host, David the Smart Mark, and stunning Sean Burkhead. The liberation starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special solo edition of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. David Smartmart is under weather. I wish him all the well. We may have a second Radio Free Professional Wrestling episode this week, but since this is nearly our one-year anniversary, I did want to give you guys a special present. So in this episode, we are going to talk about AEW. We want to preview the show for All Out, and I'm going to give you all the interviews that we did in season one. So sit back and enjoy this special edition of Radio Free Professor Wrestling. Up first, I'm going to preview a new segment that we're adding to Radio Free Professor Wrestling for season number two. We call it the Control Center. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. We have some sad news to start our first control center with. This past Wednesday, Daphne passed away at the age of 46. Now, I remember Daphne in WCW being a part of the group with David Flair and Crowbar. Then later on, she would come to TNA Wrestling as the governor and be kind of like a quasi-manager to the beautiful people until she broke away and feuded with the beautiful people. This was a very sad passing for me because... I enjoyed Daphne, and she's just three years older than me, and I'm still just trying to wrap my head around it. Daphne, to me, was ahead of her time when you think about women's professional wrestling in the late 1990s, early 2000s. We just came off in power this past weekend, and I feel like Daphne would have fit right in there in a match somewhere for Empower, or if you could bring Daphne and her prime forward to, say, current day women's professional wrestling, she would slide right in there and be amazing with matches against Charlotte Flair, Leah Ripley, Britt Baker. You can name a lot of people, and I think Daffy could have amazing matches with any of them. We here at Radio Free Professional Wrestling want to send out our sincere condolences to Daphne's family, her friends, and all of her fans. There's no easy way to transition from our first story. So we'll move on to our second story. And it comes from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I woke up this morning on Saturday to a new story saying that New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to make Wrestle Kingdom three nights instead of two nights coming up in 2022. Now I find it interesting that they're doing this. Especially coming off the Olympics where they had zero fans in the stadium for the Olympics. And they're still battling the pandemic. And they're worse off than I think most countries are. Just for the fact that they have a very low vaccination rate. Now the thing with this three night WrestleCam is. It's two nights back to back at the Tokyo Dome. Then they're doing another stadium on a different day. So you're not going back to back to back. And there may be where they put New Year Dash in there. In between night two of the kingdom and night three of the kingdom. We'll keep the rest of this story as it develops here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. This has been your Radio Free Professional Wrestling Control Center for September the 5th, 2021.
welcome to your AEW All Out Preview from Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's start with the AEW World Championship match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage. Now, we've seen this match a few weeks ago where on the very first episode of AEW Rampage, Christian beat Kenny Omega for the Impact World title. Now, we came to find out that Adam Page, his wife, was about to have a child. So, they had to write Adam Page off from All Out. Because everything was pointing to him versus Kitty Omega at this pay-per-view for the world title. So, since they had to quickly change their storylines, they had to make Christian strong. So, that's why he got the Impact World title. So, coming into this match, I do believe that the best bout machine, Kenny Freaking Omega is going to retain his AEW world title. Up next, and probably the most anticipated return in professional wrestling history, we have CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Now, this match is being held in Chicago, and I do believe that CM Punk is going to win his very first AEW match in Chicago. Now, this loss will not affect Darby Allen in the least. They have kept Darby Allen strong. For the last three or four months. And losing to CM Punk in his hometown. It's no shame for Darby Allen. And I do believe down the road. Darby Allen will have a second match with CM Punk. And we could see Darby Allen get his victory back. Okay so the next match we're going to review. Is Chris Jericho versus MJF. Now if you've been listening to Radio Free Professor Wrestling. The last few weeks. I've been very critical about the five labors of Jericho. And I literally reboot the ending to that set of matches. Now, with this match, Chris Jericho has put his career on the line against MJF for one more match. Now, we know that Jericho is heading off to a fuzzy tour. Now, it would be a great feather in the cap at MJF to say, Oh, hey, I have been the person to re retire Chris Jericho. But I got a feeling that MJF is going to come up a bit short here. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Chris Jericho actually doesn't lose this match. Okay, the next match on the card here for us. It's going to be Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, this is going to be one of the easiest matches to predict. There's no way on this planet that they're going to let Britt Baker lose his title right now because she's freaking white hot. And wow, what a year Britt Baker has had. Because if you flash back to this time last year, could you imagine her being the centerpiece of AEW? Really, it's her and Kenny Omega, one, two. You can at me at that. I do believe that she's on the same level as Kenny Omega in this company. So, Britt Baker will retain her AEW Women's title and go on to face the winner of the Casino Battle Royale. Okay, so we have arrived at the Steel Cage match for the AEW Tag Team title. It's the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Now, if you watched the Go Home AEW Dynamite, you saw the Elite lower the cage on the faces and go to town on them. So with that being booked the way it was, I have a feeling that the Young Bucks are going to be the first members of the Elite to lose their titles to the Lucha Brothers in this match. Okay, so we're up to the match that I'm most looking forward to. It's a TNT title match between Miro and Eddie Kingston. Over the past six months, Eddie Kingston has become one of my favorite professional wrestlers. And this match should be hard-hitting as all get out. But I do believe that God's favorite champion, Miro, will destroy Eddie Kingston. And David, I know you're listening, so sorry, my friend. 
Okay, so up next we have John Moxley versus Kalamura. Now this match has the least buildup of all the matches on the All Out card. Now this past Friday night on Rampage, they showed a bit of the contract signing for this match to get a little heat for it. And we saw the two gentlemen basically shove each other just like any other normal contract signing you've seen in professional wrestling. I do believe that John Moxley will win this match and this could be the most violent match on the show. Okay, so up next and what should be the quickest match on this freaking card, it's Paul White versus QT Marshall. So if this match lasts longer than seven minutes, there's something extremely long with whoever's booking this card. I'm taking Paul White for the victory. So the last match we got to review for AEW All Out it's the Casino Battle Royal, and I believe there's only like two spots left that hasn't been named yet. So the rumors are Ruby Soho and Michelle Martinez as the final two ladies in this match. Now the smart money is going to be either on Thunder Rosa or Ruby Soho to win this. Personally, I'd love to see either Anna Jay or Taikani win this. You know what? Heck with it. I'm going to go with my heart. Anna Jay to win the Casino Battle Royal to face Bitbreaker. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Up next is our very first interview we ever did on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. It's me and David as we interview Nikia Koloff. Now, I remember mentioning David the day I had the confirmation of Nikia coming onto the show. I was literally leaving work at 8 p.m. Eastern, so it made it like 3 o'clock David's time. And as he would tell me the story, it was he went to the bathroom, looked down at his phone, and went, WTF. And he went into the bedroom and talked to his wife and went, Sean got Nikia Koloff on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And she's like, still kind of sleep, not sure what he was saying. And David's going like, he's a buddy freaking legend. So I just enjoyed the fact that I freaked David out for this interview. And I spent a day myself being freaked out because I was like, the day after we were confirmed with Nikia, I was going like, oh my God, I'm interviewing one of my favorite professional wrestlers from... WCW from my childhood so I need to get all this nervous energy out first before we had this interview so I hope you enjoy this replay of our interview with Nikia Koloff. Ladies and gentlemen at this time it is my distinct honor to introduce our guest at this time. Most people use the word legend loosely right now but this man is truly a legend in every meaning of the word. He's a two-time NWA Tag Team Champion, a NWA United States Champion, and an NWA Hall of Famer. He is no other than the Russian Nightmare, Nikia Koloff. Mr. Koloff, how are you doing? Welcome to Radio Free Virtual <laughs> Wrestling. Hey, comrades, you do it, Tom. There's the taste of the old days just for you guys. Uh, great to be with you guys. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Koloff. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. I, I love the shirt, Mid-South. I love the shirt. Tradition. Traditionalist, traditionalist. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Well, great to be with you guys. Mr. Koloff, so you started in about 1984. You were about ready to play football for the USFL when one of the Royal Warriors called and said, hey, why don't you try wrestling? And from there, everything just happened.
happened? Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, uh, when I look back on things, it's like many things in my life. Um, you know, things have come across, opportunities have come across my path that uh, I wasn't necessarily looking for. In fact, uh, when I go out, a lot of times I'll do different motivational speeches, sometimes for corporations and conferences and different things, and just challenging people to keep their eyes open for opportunities. I like to say it this way, guys, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity come across your path and not be prepared for it, right? And so for me, back in those days, you know, I was, uh, of course, training extensively in the gym, fell in love with weightlifting at the age of 12, and and then football soon after. And so that was my, that was where my sights were set on professional football. That was kind of my dream as a child, as a young man, young boy. And I was on that path of pursuing that, even in the midst of some setbacks in college. But uh, again, I, I didn't let that hold me back. I used those setbacks as an opportunity for a comeback. And then Road Warrior Animal, uh, who I, by the way, had recruited out of high school to play college football with me, left. He left early, got into professional wrestling. And then in turn, he called me, if you want to, so to speak, and recruited me into professional wrestling. And as you mentioned, 1984, and, and the, the career just took off. It's just crazy how much talent came out of that area of Minnesota at that time because you had Kurt Hanning, you had R- Rude, and both the Royal Warriors, Warriors and yourself. So how was it wrestling the Royal Warriors? Well, there's... Uh, there's a lot of guys. I'll, I'll get to that question, but yeah, there was there were so many guys. Crusher Khrushchev, right? Barry Darso, Wayne Bloom, Mike Enos, Scott Norton, of course Jesse the Body Ventura. I mean, there's so many, so many that came out of uh, the Minneapolis area that uh, for for whatever reason, I guess it was in the water tower. It must have been the minerals in the water tower. I don't. But um, but the Road Warriors were certainly uh, legendary, right? I mean, they made a name for themselves. Uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best, if not the best, tag team ever in professional wrestling. Of course, I might be a, a little biased on on that opinion, but I think their record speaks for themselves uh, by how many belts they acquired and, and wore around their waist, and, and the success and accomplishments they had. Not just you know, not just in all the all the major leagues, uh, AWA, WWF, uh, WCW, NWA, but also in Japan and, and just around the world. And certainly, the matches against them are incredibly memorable to say the least especially the chain matches those were those are pretty memorable and then later on teaming up with them for the war games with the the super powers if you will dusty roll the tower power too sweet to be power yeah brilliant everyone loves to imitate dusty so i had to throw that out there no it was great so you let me into my second question it's 1987 and dusty has just come up with this idea for a match and it's dusty you the royal warriors versus the four horsemen and this concept he calls war games why do you think about it when you first hear hey we're gonna be inside this giant steel cage structure well i mean i've been in cage matches in the past you know whether it's against whether it was against nature boy rick flair and for a world heavyweight title match or 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 other guys i mean i was in the cage with a, a lot of guys uh but the idea or the concept of two rings two cages as well as a, as a uh, a covering over now the other cage matches you know there was no no top on it but here you're gonna have a, a top so it's kind of like no escape right no no nobody gets in nobody gets out so the concept i thought was brilliant dusty i really consider to be really a, a genius when it came 
came to creating angles, creating ideas like the War Games, like Great American Bash, the Best of Seven series against Magnum TA, and so many other other amazing creative ideas that Dusty came up with. And that War Games was, especially the very first one, was very memorable. I mean, it was electrifying that night in the arena. Nobody nobody had a clue or an idea how it was going to unfold. But uh, as as we now know, it, it, it's now we use the word legendary in the opening. Well, the War Games match was legendary. Still being used today, so you know, you can't knock it. Well, yeah, I, and, and I understand. I like to say often imitated, never duplicated. So, you know, there seems to be nothing better than the original, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's a wrestling match, a movie, or anything else, there's always something special about the original, right? Just like one of the original shaved guys, uh, I, Uncle Ivan Koloff, and then uh, Nephew Keith comes along. Just something special about the word original. Exactly, because this was about the time I started watching wrestling with my grandfather, and I remember the 1992 War Games match you had where you team up with Sting against the Danish Alliance. And to me, that was probably my favorite match. And I know the WWE brought back War Games, but like you said, the original is always better. <clears throat> well, and those and those matches with with the Dangerous Alliance and Sting's Squadron uh, were certainly fun as well. Uh, you know, taking nothing nothing away from them uh, in, in any aspect of that. Uh, but but certainly, you go back to the superpowers, the 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 Road Warriors, the Four Horsemen, who had a, a stellar career of their own, right? The, and, the, and again, the original, Rick, Ole, Arn, and Tully uh, were certainly, uh, uh, you know, formidable opponents. And, and then eventually when, you know, Luger comes aboard uh, eventually. But back to the original, Tully, Ole, Arn, Rick, those guys were, were consummate professionals and carried themselves so well in the ring and just made any match, whether it was a, an eight-man, a six-man, a tag match, or a single match, those guys were the, uh, the 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 mecca of wrestling in those days. Exactly. You cannot say anything about 1980s wrestling without mentioning the Four Horsemen. They are truly legends. Full sense of the word, they are legends. And the best part of my childhood was watching them wrestle. That's it. So you, you watch it with your grandfather. So you've been... You've been a fan for a long, long time, which which we appreciate. You, all your listeners, you know, I, I enjoy doing these interviews and 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 just getting out there and and meeting fans face to face. In addition to speaking on you know on all these podcasts, so it's great, Mister K. Um, you talk about that, and Sean mentions nineteen ninety two World Games. My first exposure to you being a UK wrestling fan. I grew up on World of Sport, sat on my grandfather's knee. I'm slightly older than Sean, so I knew I saw like Regal when he was 17 live stuff like that but my first exposure to you good self we got WCW Worldwide around 1990 and you went through now correct me if I'm wrong but I'm, I think I'm not far out you went through a face turn to become and you eventually joined as you mentioned Steven Squadron what was the story behind that? Yeah it's a great it's a great where, where in England uh, are you from by the way? Um, the Cambridge here the, the little bum part that sticks out as you as you look at the UK I'm the little bump out on the right hand side i'm in the middle of that peterborough well, be my nearest city let me let me give you let me give a little quick backstory and then i'll, I'll get to your question about the turn so as most have learned now and there's still i think there's still you think with the internet everyone would know but every now and then 
I run into someone who still thinks I'm from Russia and they want to know what happened to my accent. <laughs> uh, but hey, good, good formal English tutoring. Thank you, UK. Good formal English tutoring. But here's the little backstory, my brother. So my roots actually go back to England. My mom was born up near Carlisle. Up near the Scottish border, yeah, you, no, sure you've no. heard of Carlisle, a little little village called Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N. And my sister, brother, and I, my brother-in-law, had the opportunity just a few years back to, to of course, tour London and, and all all of the wonderful things that that England has to offer. We took a we took a train up to Carlisle. We rented a car. We went to all these little villages to to research the history uh, of our family. And and lo and behold to us we had no clue no idea we actually found the house that my mom was born in you know yeah it was pretty amazing no you know no you don't you didn't go off to a hospital you had a a midwife right and and so my mom born in 1919 there in in hayden and then uh at age two uh my grandma brought her on a boat across across the pond to america so you, you and I might be related, I guess is what I'm saying there, David. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that looking, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. But so for your listeners, there's a little backstory uh, on the Russian nightmare with English roots. Okay, English really? roots. So all that said, the turn, again, Dusty and promoter Jim Crockett's idea, uh, Magnum TA, who had been a nemesis of mine, the best of seven series for the U.S. title. We we, we uh, which is probably the most often mentioned uh, part of my career is that best of seven series. When he had his accident, I had just come back from Japan, a tour in Japan, and I had no idea that he had had his wreck. It took him a while to convince me, but once they convinced me, uh, then they shared with me the idea of 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 coming to Dusty's rescue in, a few weeks later in a cage match in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was wrestling. It was supposed to be Ole and Tully. Tully was injured. J.J. Dillon, the manager, steps in, and you know, I thought to myself, guys, I thought. You know, Dusty's got all kinds of years of experience. Jim Crocker promotion and their family had been in wrestling for 50 plus years. They probably, if they think this will work, let's go for it. So we made we made the decision. We The date was set. I came to Dusty's aid as people can watch on YouTube videos. And when I did, the place went from initially a, a pin drop and death silence to an eruption that you might say lifted the roof off the building and, and we never look back you were happy with that were you? You, with that result yeah we we had no we had no clue if it would work in fact years later i was told yeah. dusty was asked hey did you know that turning nikita you know baby face you know making him a good guy would would that you guys would do the business you did or that it would work and he he said we had no clue it was a roll of the dice we were hopeful but there was certainly no guarantee but yet the as as re- the record shows the fans embraced it the super powers did sell out business wherever we went for the next couple of years. I had to ask that because that was my first proper viewing of you as to say in the UK we got that late on a Saturday night on WCW Worldwide and that particular moment that you've just talked about is, was shown on that and uh, it just blew my mind and you talk about lifting the roof up even watching it on television came over as you would probably want it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm grateful, thankful for the, again for that opportunity something I wasn't really looking for I, 
I thought I'd be a, a heel. I thought I'd be a bad guy my whole entire career. Uh, and that opportunity presented itself. We took advantage of it. Sure. Mr. Kulov, we're going to kind of wrap up here with the last question we have for you. You have a man camp, which is like a Christian outreach program, if I'm correct. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah, we we do. It, it it's it, again, my life's been an interesting journey, right? So, you know, the door of opportunity opens up for wrestling in a very unusual way. I make a decision to, to leave wrestling at the age of 33, um, walked away under my own terms. And, and I was on this, at this point, I'm on this journey about what, you know, for what life holds next for Nikita Koloff. Um, just like, just like I wasn't born in Russia. Uh, I've got English roots. I didn't grow up in a church, but, you know, I, I had heard the stories. I, I, you know, I learned the stories of, of this man named Jesus who lived and, and died, was crucified and rose again. And, and so I, I heard the story. But in 1993, about 11 months after leaving wrestling, uh, that story, I like to say, made the 18 inch trip from my head down to my heart. And I became a, a, a Christ follower. And that decision, October 17, 1993, set me on a whole different trip trajectory, a whole different path that all these years later now uh, have allowed me to travel to 30 different countries. I have ministered and preached in 1,200 plus or minus churches, 28 different denominations. We hold men's conferences and camps. And I was reunited, reconnected with Lex Luger. Your, your listeners probably know him as the total package, Lex Luger. We were reunited in 2006 uh, when he made a decision, April 23rd, to surrender his his life to the Lord. And since that time, he and I have co-labored together in doing these conferences. And, and now it's called Man Camp. Uh, your listeners can go check out mancamp.info. That's the website. So men 18 years and older, you know, we bring in to, to uh, for a few days, him and I co-facilitate this camp. And our goal, guys, is just to instill things that he and I have learned over the years uh, to be to be more healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, of course, spiritually, send men back home uh, just to be to be more engaging and more more successful and 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 thrive in their environment. And so that's what we do with the with the camps and, and again the man up conferences and and uh, and I'm just thrilled. I mean, I never I never thought I'd be a book writer. I, I did not enjoy writing and, and certainly didn't enjoy English class back in the days of my studies. But lo and behold, I've I've written three books. I'm working on a fourth one. Your listeners can another website they can go to is is coloff.net, coloff.net, and uh, two of my books are there that they they can purchase and I'll personalize and 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 now. The last thing I'll share with you too, Sean and David, is I, I wasn't looking to have my own radio show or my own podcast, but last year during this pandemic, an opportunity opened up and now I launched It's Time to Man Up, uh, the Man Up podcast. Your your listeners can go on all, all of their major platforms and, and find the podcast. And I, I just recently did an interview, a two-part interview with Sting, uh, Jackson Riker from WWE, uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, uh, Magnum TA will be on there soon. And so got some great interviews with some of the wrestlers. That's so awesome. Mr. Koloff, thank you for joining us today on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. We look forward to seeing what you do next in your career. And God bless you. Well, God bless you, David. Thank you, Sean, and all of your viewers, listeners out there. God bless you guys. Thanks for having me thank on. Thank you, Thank you, Sean. Hey, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Okay, so up next, we have our interview with Ashley Vega, now, Ashley 
has been wrestling for probably three or four years, based out of Scotland. I can't remember if I followed her on Twitter first or she followed the show on Twitter first, but we got together and I thought, hey, why not have a fresh, young professional wrestler tell us about the difficulties of wrestling during the earliest days of the pandemic. And I did enjoy this interview with Ashley. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And please follow her on Twitter at AshleyVegaUK. She's a great follow. And I think she's going to do a lot of great things coming up here in 2021 and 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, the stunning level on this podcast has risen 1,050% because we have Ashley Vega on our show. She's a Scottish independent wrestler from Edinburgh. Forgive my American accent here. How are you doing, Ashley? <laughs> I'm good. Good, how are you? (laughs) Welcome, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ashley, we're going to start with this question. Um, What did your parents think of you starting wrestling? How do you approach them going like, hey, you know, this thing that me and my brother were watching, I want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I was about 15 when I started properly training um, and I don't think they kind of understood that it was a thing in the UK um, so you know I just kind of uh, did my own research um, about schools and training and shows in the UK and then just kind of was like yeah you know that this thing I've been watching for years like I want to do it and they kind of laughed and were like okay like (laughs) just kind of went along with it to keep me happy I suppose um but yeah I mean they were a bit shocked I don't think they ever thought I would you know go on and pursue it but you know here I am six years later so still doing it (laughs) where did you train Ashley I I started training at a school called um Premier British Wrestling um which was that was a while ago now um but that's where that's where I started off um, I now train with Joe Hendry from we're Ring of Honor. Yeah, no, no, we're very <laughs> familiar with Joe. Yeah, um, so who initially trained you from uh, BBW? Um, initially, it was under um, Kid Fight. Yeah. Uh, so started there, um, and there was um, uh, some other um, wrestlers at the school that were were kind of under me. I don't know if you know. Um, there was Krieger as well, and um, yeah. Lou King Sharp were kind of the main ones. Um, as well that that helped me so yeah so you've had a good bat you've had a good grounding then girl yeah 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 when I started I definitely um had lots of people with lots of experience um that I could that could go to so it was it was good um to start off and you know that school it was a good starting point for me quality Sean okay I can't believe we just passed a year since the World Health Organization declared oh, yeah. COVID-19 a pandemic, <laughs> but here we are, because I remember last year this time watching the Southeastern Conference Basketball Tournament. My team mm-hmm. was about ready to play, and I was thinking, hey, if they win tonight, I'm going to make the three-hour trip down to Nashville for this second round, <laughs> and that never happened. So, Ashley, what has the last year been like for you? Um, Well, I think when it like happened, it was just like, oh yeah, I get like a, a few weeks off work. How amazing. Um and now it's like it's it's just like at first it was fun because it was like, oh like I, I could focus on myself a lot more. I'd I'd had lots of time to myself and it was it felt like a little mini holiday. Um but like now it's been like a year. It's just getting to that point where I'm just 
like I just can't wait for things to go back to normal. Um, the past year's been okay. Like it's been, it's been good in a sense that I've been able to have time away and just to focus on myself and think about wrestling. But I'm just at a point now that it's been over a year that I just, I, I just want to get back as soon as, as soon as I can. Have you been able to train? No. Um. Well, not at all. Not with other people at all. Um. So a couple months ago, when things were easing in the UK, we were able to to do um outside training and one one on ones. But I've not been able to actually get in a ring with other people and properly train for over a year now. So not not really. I mean, obviously here in the UK, we recently had. I know it's slightly different for you because you're under, but the, but the the, the Governments are not dissimilar in the way that, that England and Scotland yeah. are, uh, are varying themselves. Um, yep. Have you got? I mean, have you got any bookings coming up, for example? Um, I've not got anything promised. I've had, um, you know, companies, um, you know, saying that they're going to run shows, but they're kind of they're not confirmed yet, you know. So it's not yeah. like. Um, I've got all this these dates booked in my diary because I don't because that's just kind of like, um, you know, there's a company that that Logan Storms started. It's called Pro Two. Um, I've yeah. been asked for that and things like that, but you know, I've not got any dates or anything because nothing's yet to be confirmed. So it's just kind of a waiting game now. Um, hopefully, to be fair, they've soon. given you quite a good hype on joining the company. So hopefully, that yeah, hopefully, that uh, yeah, up. whenever. Whenever we can, we're able to. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Sure. So what is the best and worst thing about having a social media present as a female wrestler? Um, I think, the, well, the worst thing, definitely, you get like a few odd little, little, little weird messages here and there um, from certain fans. Um, but, and I think in all, it's, it's, in all honesty, it's for both. It's good for both uh, male and female. It's just, it's so good that now, I know back in the day when wrestling started, it never, like, no one had, you know, Stone Cold didn't have a Twitter page to talk to his fans. Do you know what I mean? But it's so good now, especially after this year break, we've had so much time to interact with fans and um, people that just enjoy wrestling. Um, so I think it's like, it's in general, it's good. It's good to have that kind of like connection to other people because it's it would have been hard without all the social media during this lockdown. I think so. It's it's good in a sense we get to contact with everyone. It's it's just like it's a good way to keep in touch and with what's actually going on in the world. Not much, but. <laughs> Well, crowds are starting to come back. Hopefully, with we'll actually see some mania in uh, you know in three or four weeks. That'll yeah, that'll be good. Obviously, yeah, a hundred percent. I love um, mania, and I'm a big big fan when it comes to mania weekend again. Like I'm a child and love staying up watching it. And oh, it's just it'll be fun as well to see all the social media. Like it's good to interact with everyone on on social media in that sense to keep in touch. It's good when you can't it's see good, anyone. It's a good chance to put yourself out there, girls, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you know to look, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> relevant. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Esther, question. Um, what are you looking forward to with WrestleMania this year? Any match you really want to see? Um, I think in general, like, I wouldn't say there's one match I'm like, oh, like that's the one I'm I'm buzzing to see. But um the women's matches in general love watching, like Charlotte. Um but I don't think I could pick just one match. Now a wrestler that like has just been like pure 
um, that's just came up out of nowhere. Who was, you know, Bobby Lashley was someone I watched when I started watching wrestling, like in 2006. And then just to see him come back and be on like that top thing, it's just so good because I just thought he was so good back in the day, but he never got the the chance. So to see him now, like years later, like at the top of WWE, like I just love watching him wrestle. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to him uh, to see him. To be honest, do you have a favourite style of match? Favourite style of match. <laughs> Um, see, I, I joke about this a lot on Twitter. I would say my favourite matches were, you know, the gravy bowl matches like years ago, the good old um, <laughs> silly gimmick matches back in the day were fun. Obviously, don't see that anymore. But you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to a gravy bowl match at all. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I remember hearing that the lockdown in England should end around, they're hoping June 21st. So if yeah. that's true, what's the first thing you want to do? The first thing that I would probably do is like, just I, I just miss seeing my friends. Um, I just would love to go out and just just see people. I'm so sick of like talking to people over the phone. Um, And of course, I've not properly wrestled in ages, so that would probably be on the first thing on my list as well, is to actually get in a ring and wrestle, and especially in front of a show. Um, if that was to ever, fingers crossed, happen in June, that would be one of the first things I would do. <laughs> Ash, obviously I said that at the interview, mate. You're from Edinburgh, but Scotland over the last five, five, six years, again, correct me if I'm wrong, has produced a huge amount of top talent from Britain. You know, obviously there's been a British... Uh, renaissance almost but Scotland yeah. has been at the top tier I'm, I, I believe it or not even though I live in Cambridgeshire I'm an ICW regular or mm. was and the amount of talent that they've dragged who for, tell our listeners who do you know now or prior to lockdown obviously we've you know we, we keep reiterating it who should our listeners look out for oh well so when I started training um years ago uh, at PBW there's loads of people from that school who are now um, a part of ICW there's a young wrestler called Alex Parker um, who is a part of ICW now who's very he's um, very entertaining he's a very good wrestler very jealous of how young and good he is um, <laughs> but yeah he's he's definitely one to watch out for um, would be very good in like the, the kind of cruiserweight division um, oh, there's just so many young <laughs> wrestlers and there's also um, a women's wrestler in ICW who's recently just started. Her name is Ellie. Um, yeah. She's really good. has been watching her. Um, oh, there's just so, there's so many good like talent just now, um, even in this lockdown. Uh, but yeah, yeah there, oh, there's so many. You just need to, well, to be, obviously, keep an obviously eye on. The big two, if you like, for the one, I don't know, your opinion might, might be different to this. Progress and ICW have started putting shows back on the network again. Yeah. And um, I introduced Sean to one of my personal favourites at the moment, which he hadn't heard of, which is, and I go on about him every single week of the show, is Cara Nawash. Um, I'm, trying to yeah. get North Amer- I'm trying to get North America involved with the Black Swan. So that's that was ah. the reason for my question. So you know, I'm I'm always looking for the personally for the purpose of this show and other shows that that I've got coming. Um, you know, the next big thing. So to get a scoop from an inside, you know, a talent such as yourself, yeah. that's that was the reason for the question. Yeah. Yeah. No, and there's so there's so much talent. Um, they're just bringing in so many people in ICW. It's just so good to see. 
uh, it's just it's, especially now that it's on the network it's it's just easy to go and to go and watch so it's it's good to keep up with it especially that we can't go to shows yeah absolutely I'd, I'd love to i've not had the chance to wrestle there um but i, I would 100 percent love to do it hopefully in the near future um, maybe just sooner. quickly correct me because i'm not up to date is um is discovery wrestling still going in edinburgh yes yes it is it's still going um obviously we've not had shows in a long time but yeah that's one of my favorite places to wrestle actually yep still going ah, excellent okay sean sorry ashley what do you hope comes out from the speaking out movement well i think um when that all ha- like happened and all these women were coming forward about the awful men <laughs> that were in wrestling at the time um like obviously it was just kind of a obviously it shouldn't have been but it was a normal thing for people um not just girls guys as well um that were obviously victim of it but like now that it's it's happened I'm, I'm i'm more excited for shows to be safer um for no one to feel you know scared or no one to feel um, you know that they can't do things or they can't go to shows because they're worried who might be there or who they might see it's just it'll just be such a more you know safer environment than it used to be um, going back to it when shows do come back um, I think everyone will just be so much happier um, and a better environment when things come back so I'm looking forward to it well said Mike Sean I heard that one of your favorite wrestlers was Candice Michelle is that true yeah that is true yes People are shocked by that, but it's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, like so the thing is, like lots of um, you know, people joke to me saying, "Oh, you're you know, you're setting wrestling back ten years and all this progress we've made." And um, that's not what I'm trying to do. I think for me, wrestling a big part of it is entertainment. And when I started watching wrestling, I was really young, um, but I always went back and watched like the old wrestling, and I'm like, what is all this like? The, like I said, the gravy bowl matches and mud matches <laughs> and like these silly, silly things. But it was, see, watching it is so funny. And I understand like we've came such a long way since then. And to see what women are doing is so good. But you can still enjoy those things, you know, like it's fun and it's entertainment. So um, <laughs> like I still joke about it to this day. Like I would love to do something like that. And um you know, the women that did that, like Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson, they were they kind of started this whole thing because they, they didn't have any other choice but to wrestle like that because they weren't given, you know, that opportunity back then. Um, so I think it's good to recognise all the, you know, where we started and where we are now. It's That's why I'd say, like, oh, I just love watching wrestling back in the day because it's good to see how far we've come. But it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's still entertaining to watch because it was fun. It was funny. <laughs> You've pulled a name out there that, ironically, Tori Wilson, she was a lady that, for me, mm-hmm. she took a gimmick and, okay, it wasn't the best, but it was like, do you know what? I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to make it work yeah. and I'm going to get over and got over through damned hard work. And I've got a lot of respect. You know, I personally, Tori Wilson was one of my favourite WCW, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, it was WCW discovering her, yeah. you know, and I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching her every week. She she was so she was entertaining like you know she was told what to do and she couldn't do anything else so like she made yeah. it work and she was you know she was when she was heel especially she was just such a mean bitch and I loved that <laughs> <laughs> so like she did what she she had to do so so you channel your inner Tory do you yeah? exactly when I'm out there whenever I get the chance to but yeah. <laughs> you know Candice Michelle really had a 
part where she was almost like kind of like Trish Stratus, where she came in first. Everybody thought, well, she can't really wrestle, but by the end of her career, she was pretty freaking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, like they all came forward and they said, like, you know, we didn't get as much attention as the guys. We didn't have as much training, you know, as the guys either. But, you know, they, 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 they fought for it. You know, they, they worked as hard as they could to to prove that they can wrestle and you know like she got the at by the end of her career she was she won the title and she got that kind of run as the main the main girl for a, a period of time so kind of it shows that yeah she might have started off as a model and a pretty face but like she she put the work in to show that she wasn't just that so it's good to see like I love that's why I say like people like that are one of my favorites because they they prove that they're not just you know a model kind of thing is what they were supposed yeah. to be yeah, absolutely. I saw your, your YouTube channel, and you did a Raw vs. SmackDown 2007 GM mode. <laughs> and I saw who you selected in your picks. If you had the capability to starting your own promotion, who's the first three people you would hire? First three? Oh, well, um, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up was Jeff Hardy. Loved Jeff Hardy. So I would, I would definitely put him on just because he was so different from all the other guys. You know, like all the the guys in that pe- that era were all like, you know, John Cena and Bobby Lashley, like big, huge muscle. And I just liked him because he stood out. He came out with this face paint on and multicolored hair and he was just mental. Like, but that's, what's, that's why I liked him so much because he was so different. So I definitely put him on. Um, another two is probably Trish Stratus because she's just overall yeah. the whole package. And another one, I'd have to say, oh goodness, that's hard. You know, go with John Cena because he's always a safe bet. He's going to bring in the money, isn't he? So I mean, <laughs> he is bums on seats. He certainly is. <laughs> So, you know, you can't really go wrong there. Sure. Hey, Ashley, we're going to wrap this up. Why don't you just plug all your social medias for the people so everybody go follow Ashley Vega because she is freaking amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So (laughs) all my socials are all at Ashley Vega UK on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So quite easy to find me. (laughs) We have, ladies and gentlemen, on our Facebook page as we speak, Two of Ashley's finest moments, um, particularly the uh, the match against Angel Hayes. I uh, highly recommend you checking out um, if you want to see what this young lady is all about. Yet another high quality British lady wrestler coming out of Glasgow. So I'm I'm doing a typical Englishman. I'm adopting the British the British loop when it suits because as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, this is a quality young lady. Go and check out all her socials. Get her on social media and check her matches out. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ashley, have a great day. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Hopefully, yeah. Thank you so much. That's your time, Ash. Cheers. Okay, so David's going to say, yes, of course, you saved the Pope's interview for last because you're the Pope's best friend. You guys are best buddies, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let me tell you the story behind this Pope interview. I emailed the Pope, I want to say back in February of this year, setting up this interview for late March. Now, what I didn't know at the time was NWA was coming back with their first pay-per-view, Back to the Attack, literally around the same time I wanted the Pope on our show. And the Pope couldn't tell me that, oh, hey, the NWA is coming back. So he did his best to keep me up to date. He goes like, I can't commit, but I'll let you know. So... 
we emailed back and forth probably eight or nine times before this interview. Now, the Pope, I love him to death because I think he's freaking awesome. And I'll tell you why I think he's freaking awesome. Another story about this interview. So, I'm there the day of this interview. David couldn't make it for the time we had to set for the Pope. So, it was going to be me and the Pope by myself here. And the Pope messaged me like, hey, I'm running late. So, we finally get around to doing the interview. And the first thing the Pope did was apologize to me for being late. And I was like, wow. Here's the Pope. He's wrestled in WWE, TNA, NWA. A pretty big professional wrestler. Especially for a show like us to get. And he's apologizing for being late. So, the guy is a class act. I do enjoy the Pope. And in this interview we did with the Pope, we do talk about his charity. And I will leave the link to his charity and the King of Colossus um, man camp. All that stuff is going to be in the show notes if you guys want to check it out and see if you want to donate or attend the man camp. And now, it's time for friend of the show, the Pope's interview, right here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Radio Free Pro Wrestling proudly presents Center Stage. Help David and Sean welcome this week's guest to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, it is our pleasure to have the current NWA TV champion. He is also the host of the Pope's Point of View, and he also is the founder of the Love Alive charity based in Jacksonville, Florida. He is no other than the Pope, Elijah Burke. Mr. Burke, how are you doing? Pope's doing, Daddy. I'm just happy to be here, happy to be above ground, like I, like everybody else, you know, and just, just uh, you know, do what we have to do to keep on surviving during these crazy times, man. Yes, it's been a crazy year, especially for everybody. The NWA was really doing a awesome job right before the pandemic hit, and they had to shut down. But luckily, you guys are back up and running. You just had your pay-per-view back to the attack, and you just had the first episode of NWA Power, and you successfully defended your title against Tom Latimer. So, how has it been being back in the ring, finally? Well, I mean, it's great to uh, be back uh, with the NWA again, talking about surviving during these crazy times, you know, and that's what NWA uh, has done. And we're back now, and um, uh, we look forward to continuing, uh, you know, providing that special type of wrestling and entertainment that only we can in NWA. But when you ask about how it is to be back in the ring, well, Daddy, that's always not an issue. Pope's going to stay in the ring as, you know, anywhere, somewhere, somehow. But it felt good to be back in the NWA ring. It felt good to be back, um, you know, at back for the attack. And it felt good to be doing power. But it never feels good to stand across the ring from the maniacal nutcase that is known as Thomas Latimer, Daddy. That, that right there, ain't nothing nice about that. I would want to cross him in a lit alley or a dark alley or anything yeah man uh, thomas latimer the former bram i mean he is everything that he appears to be and um uh, luckily your boy was able to go out there and successfully defend my title would have liked to pin them uh, and i'm sure he would have liked to have pinned me but at the end of the day again there's that word we just survived so at the end of the pay-per-view you guys had a fitting tribute to joseph Stevens, the question mark and I thought the whole show was a fitting tribute to the question mark. Joseph was so integral in, in the growth and success of 
the modern NWA. So um, he was he, he was more than what you guys just saw on screen. Uh, he played his role in the productions. He played his role, um, obviously, in, in, in creating those videos that everybody came to love between the power episodes. Um, so and he was just well liked, you, you know, and it still affects us all today that, um, you know, we were able to reunite. And and obviously uh, the question mark was not with us, so it played a part definitely. And uh, all of us just wanted to go out there and wrestle for our friend and um and give him a fitting uh, tribute. So looking back at the beginning of your career, Pope, I saw that you were an amateur boxer before you got into wrestling. Was there ever a point where you thought, hey, I might want to go into boxing? Well, no, there was never a point that I wanted to go into boxing. I mean, I was in the boxing folk box for three years. So it was not whether or not I wanted to go into boxing. I was into boxing. If the question is whether or not I wanted to further my career in boxing and, you know, take it up to the professional level and all of that, no, that was never um, a a thought in Pope's mind because I was simply out there doing something for the point of entertainment. I was not out there boxing per se just to box. Yes, I'm a competitive individual. But I was just fulfilling a need to entertain folk, and that was my way of entertaining. Okay, so I remember seeing you debut in ECW as the kind of like cornerman manager of Tabester Sirkai, the MA fighter. And after a while, you broke away and was a part of the New Breed faction. So, what was your memories of WWE's version of ECW? WWE's version of ECW was was just another program that was no different from one of the other branded programs, except that it didn't get the amount of attention that the Raw and the SmackDown got. But outside of the letters and the name of the program, it was all just one show. You know, I tell people about the brand thing. It's just, okay, you can you can label it something different. You know, you can put three chicken breasts on a on a counter. You know, and you can you can have one wrapped and made from McDonald's, the other from Burger King, the other from Popeyes. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still just chicken sandwiches. So, um, you know, when it comes to ECW, it was the same thing. Uh, you know, just it was just another uh, WWE product, but it was uh, great and, and somewhat exciting to be a part of something that was being viewed and looked at by the wrestling fans as fresh. Yes, I just found it was an interesting take on ECW, but it made me, first of all, I noticed you, and I was like, hey, here's an athlete that needs an opportunity. Then you made your debut in TNA. I was going like, here's a chance. Hopefully, they're going to push, push them into the moon. They gave you an awesome entrance, and I kind of forgot that you never had a title in Impact. I was kind of like, wait a minute, you had to. Yeah, no, no, never. Uh, there's an old saying um, in the wrestling world that you get the title for a lot of reasons. Some people, uh, some people get the titles because they need the title to help them or for specific, you know, angles or whatnot that are going on. You know, like we saw with the Miz recently. Um, but a lot of people get titles for different reasons. Some people never get the title because they don't need it. Um, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be the case with Pope as far as not needing it. Um, or if I wouldn't want it, what I'm saying is you look at Roddy Piper and Roddy Piper was never a world champion. Um, 
should he have been the world champion? Of course. He, he could have been world champion multiple times over. But at the end of the day, Roddy Piper did not need to be a you know world champion to be over. Arn Anderson didn't need the world champion to be, you know, to be over. Well, would it have been nice for those guys to have been world champions? Yeah. Uh, Scott Hall, another example, world champion material. So, yeah, I was supposed to be the world champion, uh, you know, heading uh, to lockdown, but some things happened, some things changed, and it never came to fruition. So moving on back to the NWA, how did Billy Corgan reach out to you when you first came into the company? Well, me and Billy has always had a great relationship, um, you know, going back to TNA Impact Wrestling um, when he, when he um, you know, bought in to that company. So uh, it was it was just a thing of me sitting back watching, and um, it was actually uh, Dave Agana uh, hit me up, and, and it was crazy. Because, uh, you know, all of us have worked together in the past. Me and Dave have worked together in WWE. You know, he was an integral part of ECW. As well as uh, we worked together in Impact Wrestling. So uh, it was actually Dave who hit me up on behalf of Billy. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I'll come down. I'll check it out. Because I, I, I'm actually a fan of this product. Throughout the week when you have everybody doing everything wrestling-wise, you have all this content of wrestling per week. And you look at all these wrestling programs, and they're all somewhat, if not all, uh, similar. You know, you watch it, uh, you see the match, you see all the, all the different moves and flips and kicks, and it's just so much of the same stuff. The, the craziness, the wackiness of the story, just so much of the same stuff that's across television. But when NWA Power debuted, it was wrestling 101. It was wrestling the way that it used to be, the way that it should be, you know, old school with a new school feel. That was NWA Power. So I was digging it before I was even contacted. So when I got contacted, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, let, let's see what this thing is all about. So that's how I got the NWA. I stumbled onto Power just randomly one night. I was like, what's on YouTube? Let me see what I can see. And I sat and watched the episode and went, you know, this reminds me of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Is this everything I remember that is great about Smoky Mountain Wrestling? And you just have some newer talent, and they can do a lot more things. That, I mean, again, from me being an old school fan of growing up, you know, in the 80s, loving, loving um, NWA Power and NWA Power Hour, and, you know, it, it just takes me back. And um, one of the great things about it is the fact that it's um, it's your world, you know? Uh, you go out there, you have freedom, you have liberty to go to the canvas and create art. And so that's the best part. We all have that opportunity, but we don't get it uh, freely. Uh, you, some some are told what to go out there and do in other companies and how to paint and how to do the outline and, you know, what colors to use. Well, here in the WA, you know, you're just told there's your canvas, go make some magic. You know, whether that's on the microphone, whether that's in the ring. And, and that's what makes NWA so cool to be a part of. Um, Pope, for the younger listeners, can you explain the importance of the NWA world title? At one point, it was considered the world title. Well, the NWA world championship title was the, the wrestling title. Yeah, it was it was the real, as often uh, coined and used by Nick Aldis and obviously formerly Ric Flair, but the real world championship title. And the NWA title was the world's champion. 
um, title or titles because nobody had a harder schedule than the touring NWA champion. So when you became the NWA champion, you had the uh, uh, weight of the entire National Wrestling Alliance on your shoulders because while you had to perform and fulfill your duties uh, for television with the NWA, you still had obligations to go to other promotions that were subcontracting or partnering or whatnot with the NWA. The NWA champion had to go to other promotions and defend the NWA title. Oftentimes, you know, Flair would wrestle twice in one night. So uh, the NWA title, that was the belt. That was the, the title that everybody considered uh, the title, the legit title. And that was all because of the guys that held it. You know, and, and they just add, they added that legitimacy to that title. It made you believe that these guys were truly uh, top-notch athletes. Yes, and that's how I feel about you and Nick Aulis. I think both of you basically make the title. You guys act like a champion, dress like a champion, and you speak like a champion. And it's just great to see you guys wrestling. Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate that if he hears it. And certainly I appreciate that. Um, and, and, and again, that's Nick Aldis, you know, prime example. He's going on, you know, 900 days, I believe, as champion. And uh, he was an integral part of getting this place back up. You know, he's representing the NWA uh, proudly, you know, with style, with class and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, it, it, as I was saying about the titles, a lot of people get the titles for a lot of reasons, you know. Uh, one of those reasons, again, is to get the title over. That's, that's one of the reasons that people would get a title. The reason the title kept coming back to Flair was not because Flair needed it, Flair didn't need the title to get over, but at some point when the title would lose its luster, it goes back to Flair because now that title looks and has that legitimacy added back to it because of the person who's carrying it, and that's Flair. So when certain people carry that title, it means more because it adds more prestige, more value to the title, whether that's because of the way the person dress, acts, you know, or, or, or is a top-notch wrestler, you know, like a, a technical guy, like a Bret Hart or Chris Benoit was or something like that. So it's that, that's what you do, you know. And sometimes other people need the title to get over that's another reason. I guess I should state the reasons since I keep going back to it. <laughs> yeah, but is to get the title over, to get the individual over, or because the person is actually over, over. So, you know, those are like some of the reasons there. Well, coming out of this last episode of Power, there seems to be three people that are going to basically challenge you for your NWA championship. Which of the three would you like to face first? Don't matter. Well, I mean, I, for you, you said first. But certainly, folk don't ain't planning on facing all three of them back to back. I mean, if that's the point, what they're wrestling for. But I'm not. It, do, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, Darren Young, aka Fred Rosser, uh, is a is a hell of an athlete, and I think um, that's that's the guy who uh, won on power, and that's who I would be looking forward to facing. Um, you know, you don't look ahead. You only look forward to your next, not not your next two, three. You just focus on your next, and that's what I look forward to. And um, it's always great to share the ring with somebody like that who knows, you know, who's just a consummate professional. So I look forward to that, you know. I look forward to being in there and mixing it up with old Fred Worser. 
Yes, he was a pleasant surprise when I watched the episode of Power. I was like, wait a minute, I know him. Where did I know him from? Then I'm like, oh yeah, he's Darren Young from WWE. And I'm like, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he goes from here. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. Now the matchup that I really want to see down the road is you versus Nick Aulis. And hopefully we'll get there one day. Hopefully we, hopefully, hopefully we will. Um, you know, if we, if you guys keep making noise the way you're doing right now, you know, I mean, that's all I'm getting hit up with on, on social media, you know, Twitter, I know we'll get there, but Twitter at the black Pope or, you know, on Instagram at the black Pope. Uh, I, that's all I'm getting is people, you know, have these, these, uh, moments where they want to make it known that they, want Pope versus Nick Aldis and I look forward to seeing, you know, if that comes into fruition, but I'm pretty certain that we will get to that point here uh, and probably in season four of NWA Power. So, one question I had about um, Power and the pay-per-view. Did you guys have fans or do you just have some fellow wrestlers around the ring? No, no not fellow wrestlers. We just had a limited uh, yeah, well, you can call it fans. That's what they were there for. But you, it was a limited audience. Um, and no, none of the wrestlers like uh, in an, um, NXT or something like that. Uh, but we, we had uh, a crowd that was there for that purpose. Okay, okay, that was cool. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to wrap this up. Pope, you do some amazing work outside of the wrestling ring. You have the Love Alive charity, which is based in Jacksonville, Florida. Can you tell our audience about that? Yes, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what you just said, and I, and I, you know, went to my charity, and it's like that that audience. Just to back up a little bit, that audience, uh, it, it sounded good, did it not? And add to the quality of that pay per view. Hope it did. It you was know, the best thing about it. Yeah, being in that studio setting, man, it just made it that much better uh, to have that little little bit of people. You know, it, it certainly added to it. And um, I was just thinking about that as you moved on. But, yeah, my charity, the Love Alive charity, over at love-alive.org. Um, my charity, man, is something that's near and dear to Pope's heart, uh, something we signed up uh, well back in two, 2012. You know, I'm in my ninth year going on my 10th. Next year I'll be celebrating uh, the charity's 10th year uh, anniversary. And, and basically what we do uh, over at the Love Alive Charity is we, not, it's not just giving back. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to necessarily use that term, give back, uh, but we do our part to help those who are less fortunate uh, in the community as well as impoverished, uh, living in, in impoverished neighborhoods. Uh, we, we do it all when it comes to, um, you know, serving the public, whether that's feeding them, that's clothing them, that's giving book bags filled with uh, necessary items and supplies for kids to achieve academic success. Um, and, and, and when I hold my huge, my big event for the Love Live Charity, uh, when we do our mass feeding of you know hundreds of individuals at one time, 300, 400, we feed them directly out of Burger King. You know, and, and that's something cool um, that I like to do. Uh, we're not giving them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We're not giving them cold cuts. You know, we actually feed them what we take for granted. And and because uh, we have the ability to go to McDonald's, you know, anytime we want to. 
So I just like to do that to let them know that we're no better and, and we want to, you know, feed them out of Burger King. Uh, we give them clothes. We give them shoes. We got blankets for the people who live on the streets. Um, well, and, and you just name it. Well, whatever else there is that we can do, tents, hats, gloves, whatever, we just try to do our part to be the change that we wish to see in the world. So, again, guys, if you're listening, head over to love-alive.org. And um, I always encourage people to donate a dollar, even a dollar, uh, helps. You can also follow the Love Alive Charity on Instagram at the Love Alive Charity, as well as on Facebook, the Love Alive Charity. And um, you know, just head over and, and and see what we're doing to help your boy continue to be the change that we wish to see in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, you can look into the show notes. All the links are there in the show notes, or you can head over to Radio Free PW, and I have the links to his charity and his podcast there for you. Just check on the link, and I appreciate anybody who does donate to the charity. And Pope, thank you for and, joining us today. Yeah, no problem, man. And just, you know, really quick before we uh, wrap this thing up, uh, Mr. Burkhead, I want to thank you for uh, allowing your boy to come on here. Thanks for having me. I want to uh, also thank you uh, for contributing to the Love Alive charity. You're not just, you know, telling everybody else to do so. You've already done so, and I appreciate you for doing that, Daddy. Uh, and, and, and if anybody don't make it to the website, you can use the uh, cash app, money sign, the Love Alive charity as well. But Mr. Burkhead, Radio Free Pro Wrestling, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Well, Pope, thank you for coming on, and I hope to see that Nick Allis Pope match in person. I want to make that three-hour drive down to Atlanta and see that. Oh, man. I tell you what, man. If that happens, then we're going to make some history. We're going to make some magic. Uh, what, a fitting, what a fitting moment that would be for your boy Pope to stand with the 10 pounds of gold. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, Pope, you know, that title's going to look really nice around that waist of yours, I got to say. <laughs> well, certainly I appreciate it, man. Keep our fingers crossed. Keep sending that positive energy to your Pope's way, man. And we'll make sure that happens one day real soon. Thanks, Pope. You have a great week. Hey, you do the same, man. Thanks, Sean. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for listening to this special edition of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Before we go this week, I want to wish David a speedy recovery as he's under the weather. But he will be back. I know he will be. Uh, we might have a Radio Free episode in the middle of this week. Or we might just go straight to Radio Free Retrospective where we're looking back at 2005 ECW's revival at One Night Stand. This is David's Choice. And he'll be leaving the session here on Thursday for us. You can always check out David on Finland Youth Radio, the Rock and Wrestling Show, each Tuesday at 5 p.m. British Standard Time, which is noon Eastern here in the United States. And there's also a replay Saturday evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern, 1 o'clock British Standard Time. So until we talk to you later this week, stay stunning. And we're going to introduce you to the theme for Season number two of Radio Free Professional Wrestling right now. And before I go, I want to 
give a special thank you to Christina for putting together this intro theme. She has literally been the best part of this show over the course of the year. And besides David, she's one of the best things that has come out of this pandemic for me. And I just want to give her a big old thank you for putting all this together for us. And until we see you later this week, stay stunning. Draw close